Leaders come in all different shapes, sizes, and styles. There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Our goal is to connect with those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others, to learn about their unique style, and to provide our listeners with inspiration to lead. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in today. We have a very special guest on the Lead with Empower podcast. Before I get into her introduction, uh, we first met about uh, 15 years ago in graduate school at Springfield College, 2005 to 2007. We had many classes together. We were somewhat on the same track. This fine young woman was a much better student than I. Uh, I might have helped her out on one class, but outside of that, I received a lot of assistance from this person in particular, became great friends over the couple of years in grad school classes together and have stayed in touch since and have done a little bit of work between Empower and, and her school and her faculty and staff. Gives me great pleasure to introduce Kim Longabuco, who is the principal at Newtown High School. Kim, what's happening? How are you? Dan, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. I'm doing well, surviving um, the best that we can, just like everybody else is. So uh, really excited to have you on today. And as I touched on a couple minutes ago, we had some classes together. And I would have guessed when we were in classes together that you would have eventually become a- an administrator or principal and that I wasn't going to go that route. I, I would have put money on that. Uh, <laughs> but um, you're also a Springfield College undergraduate. And hey. um we don't want to admit it, but it's been quite a few years since we uh, <laughs> were sitting in class with Dr. Evans and Dr. Coughlin and, and uh, I think maybe Dr. Lorenzo, uh, you know, 15 years ago. So tell everybody a little bit about your journey from undergraduate, graduate school. And I know you did some coaching and teaching. Bring us up to speed with how you ended up at Newtown High School as the principal. Sure. So I went to Springfield, obviously, undergrad from 2001 to 2005 uh, as a movement in sports studies um, and health major and um, did gymnastics while I was at Springfield, which kind of led me into not quite being ready to leave there yet in 2005, so stuck around a little longer. Um, got a master's in adapted PE, which is kind of where we crossed paths. Um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with that and then quickly realized that there weren't a whole lot of jobs in that anyways. Um, so after graduating from Springfield, got an offer for a high school PE teaching job in Fairfield, of which I vowed I would never teach high school. I only wanted to teach elementary school, but sometimes you just don't know what you're missing until you do it. But a job was a job at the time. And I went, um, to Fairfield Ludlow in the fall of 2007 as a PE and health teacher um, and kind of hung out doing that for six, six or seven years uh, between the classroom and the gym. Um, and in the time there, coached their gymnastics team, um, some girls lacrosse, cross country, did a little bit of strength and conditioning things because that's what you do to make money when you're young and have an entry level teaching job. Um, so did all of those things and then throughout that time decided I was going to go back and take some classes to get my 092 certificate 
um, did that through Southern while I was still teaching PE and health, um, finished it up and a dean position became available at the same school, which for me seemed like a nice stepping stone. It, it's, um, it's a pseudo administrative position. So um, you're still in the teacher's union, you're still in the teacher's contract, you get to kind of hang out in that zone while putting your foot in the door in administration. Um, so I figured I'd give that a whirl, not really sure if I was going to get it or not from PE, but uh, it worked out and I was very fortunate to work um, at the same school with all the same students and all the same staff. So the transition there was really easy. Spent um, four years as the Dean of Students in Warner House at Fairfield Level High School, which I loved. Um, it basically was student discipline and attendance, which is awesome and right in my wheelhouse fun to still connect with students um and see them in a different venue from my coaching and pe world to kind of discipline and things going on um and then in december um of 2016 i applied to be the assistant principal at newtown high school um i had been passed over for a job at ludlow um, and kind of like we all have along the way, that one stung a little bit. I had put I had put ten or eleven good quality years there. I had felt like I was doing a good job and um, got a little burnt. So decided to look around. Um, and there was very few towns that I was kind of interested in. I, I sort of liked the area that I live. I still had gymnastics at a club level, so I kind of wanted to be in this area. Um, the Newtown one actually opened mid year. So I applied, got that position, uh, went to Newtown High School in January of 2017, and uh, became one of the three assistant principals that are at Newtown High. Hung out in that position for, I guess, two years, two and a half years. Um, and then what happened was um, the superintendent, the high, current high school principal became the superintendent. Um, and I applied to be the principal and thankfully at that time they thought that was a good idea. <laughs> Hopefully they still <laughs> think that's a good idea now, but again, it was another one of those venues where you take a big transition in your, in your job and your experience, but you know all the people and you know all the kids and you know all the key players. So, um, makes it easier. And now here we are in the middle of a pandemic being a virtual principal, um, in year two. So that's, that's kind of what we're working with for now. All right. They, thanks for bringing us up to speed, Kim. Um, I'm going to go back. So you're, uh, you mentioned that you started off with a high school PE teaching job. And that is, um, if you had to choose, that wasn't the level that you would have gone. Um, I'm, I'm the total opposite. Uh, you know, coming out, I was like, I'm only, I only want to teach high school. Why, what was the allure to teaching the younger ones versus uh, teaching physical education health at the high school level? You know, I think um, I had a really awesome experience in South Hadley when I did my student teaching. Um, and it was a kindergarten and first grade school. And I just thought that was the greatest thing going. Um, the kids think you are awesome. There's nothing cooler than <laughs> PE class. And I mean, you're a rock star from the minute you walk in to the minute you leave. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. How great. <laughs> um, forget about the whole lots of shoe tying and management kind of things. Uh, but I was dead set. I did the other part of my student teaching in the middle school which I liked, but was kind of neither here nor there. And I kind of had my high school fixed with my coaching kids. So I figured, you know, I don't need to do the same thing in both venues, but 
you know, what happened was you have to take the jobs that are in front of you. And when you're certified in PE, you're K-12. And when you're leaving six years of college <laughs> education, you need a job. And so um, I didn't know a lot about high school PE. I had no idea what to expect. I was 22, 23, and they were 18. So, you know, it was an experience. It was a learning curve. But I think I'm so thankful that I took that job because I don't think I would have stayed on the high school path. And now looking back, even my elementary school principal colleagues, I'm like, I don't know how you do that. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you handle that. I have no patience for that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it works out. It's, and it's, it's, a, it's an important lesson that, uh, you know, so often there's an, an opportunity that we either put the blinders up to or we just absolutely refuse to even acknowledge. And that opportunity that, that we might pass up could be that, that experience or set of experiences that sets you on the path that you, you're, you're at right now. So I went to Springfield College and, and I had, have a father who at the time was a coach and a physical education teacher. I went there and, I, and there's a, the two other PE teachers at Xavier High School who were Springfield guys. So I went there knowing I want to teach and probably coach. What was your motivation to go to Springfield College to I call it a physical education major. You you went with the professional terminology there. What uh, what inspired you to get into teaching and coaching before going on to college? Yeah, so um, I don't know if I would tell my current students at Newtown High School this, but I chose Springfield College because I wanted to do gymnastics. Yep. Um, my my aunt went there. She was a diver. Um, it was one of the main reasons why I looked at the school. Coming out of high school, I either wanted to be an elementary school teacher or a physical therapist. And I didn't really know why, and nobody really guided me in one direction or another. And one day, my aunt was a PE teacher. She went to Springfield, and she was like, you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Little bit of the PT thing, little bit of the teaching thing. Why don't you, you know, why don't you consider that? So I actually... Um, went to look at Springfield, decided that that was what was going to work for me, felt right at home, loved the coach, went on a recruiting overnight, loved it, and kind of just kind of ended up there. So I think PE was almost an accident. Um, <laughs> it, it was a good accident, but yep. it certainly was not, it wasn't the plan when I was applying to schools coming out of high school. As you mentioned earlier, so you were at Springfield College for your undergraduate, didn't want to get away, so you stayed for those extra years, which is uh, I'm going to cough, cough, which is why she was at such an advantage in the academic graduate school classes compared to myself. So I'm going to throw that out there right now. You were, you were, <laughs> you were in school mode still. So I, I needed your help. Um, <laughs> what did, uh, gymnast, so competitive gymnasts, what were your events? Um, so, you know, growing up, you have to do everything. Uh, one of the perks of going to college is that you don't have to do everything. <laughs> Um, and so that's a definite highlight. And I, uh, I did a lot of vault and beam when we were at Springfield. Um, and Springfield kind of offers you the balance of the competitive season and also, um, the home show, which is really fun and kind of like a big fundraiser. Um, so that was something that was super positive kind of in my years at Springfield. Um, but also kept my schedule really balanced because growing up, I, I did, a, I had a whole lot of gymnastics all the time. And so, to go to something that you didn't necessarily have scheduled athletics all afternoon or evening for you would have been, I think, a big, big jump and a big change. And I think that kind of helped with the time management of college that can sometimes get away from people. Um, 
did you as an undergraduate did you take the skills the gymnastics skills class i did i did um scariest classes that was one of the scariest classes i had to take there yeah you know i think it's different when you're on the team um it very quickly became me teaching that class and not so much the coach or the ga um and i think they capitalized on that a little bit but whatever it was fun um and i think you know one of my fondest memories is a lot of my male friends who were in the PE program who also had to take the gymnastics class. Um, it came, became a little bit more of a joke and a lot less serious for me to kind of watch them piece together a floor routine and have to perform it for a final grade, um, which is I'm sure exactly how they felt when I was in the football class with them and had no idea what was going on. So it, it's, it's a give and take. That's how you learn uh, all the different pieces of a PE program. That's right. So in some of the funniest moments I can recall from my undergraduate time at Springfield happened during gymnastics class. I mean, it was a train wreck because there was a bunch of people like me who couldn't do any of that stuff. And they're like, do a, do a round off off of this balance beam. And you're like, serious? And uh, do a floor routine and do the vault. And I forget. And I won't, I, I know who it was. I'm not going to say who it was, but there was one guy who doing the vault was full bore committed to it. Full sprint hits the, the, the vault thing there and puts his hands down. He was going to do like a, a I don't know, a front handspring off of it or something like that. Sure. Puts his hands down on the horse, slips, and just did like this old like backbreaker on the horse. And it was like, oh, the, yeah. the air was sucked out of the room. And then he got up and shook it off and no one yeah. else did the vault that day. So It's a good appreciation for people who don't really know a lot about gymnastics to kind of step in there and see uh, exactly what it takes and what's going on. Um, but, you know, I mean, looking back, it was probably a bit of a safety concern for some people, I'm sure. I think so. I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> we probably should have signed a waiver. Right. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not as easy as like Vince Vaughn made it look in old school, like <laughs> right. ripping a butt while doing the Iron Cross. Uh, it, it wasn't that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Take gymnastics out of the equation. What was your favorite skills class as an undergrad? Let's see. Outside of gymnastics, um, I enjoyed line dancing. I thought that was fun. I had no experience in that at all. Way out of my comfort zone. Yep. Definitely not my thing, but fun. And I mean, I guess turned out to be a useful life skill, sort of. Um, <laughs> so I guess that was good. I was really, really awful at archery. I think I almost failed archery. Um, I vividly remember it being my senior year and the teacher being like, Kim, I just, I just need you to hit the target anywhere on it, just anywhere on the target. And I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at it. Um, I liked golf. Yeah. Uh, I still play golf now, so was, that was kind of a nice segue into that. But um, I ended up teaching a couple sections of the golf class when I became a GA, too. So I think that was fun. Um, I really liked the Project Adventure classes at East Campus. Um, I think that kind of was a segue into another little piece of my life at Springfield College, um, which I which is hugely important and now um, something that we're very into at Newtown High School. So I think that, um, you know, you don't know that when you're doing it. And then 15 years later, you end up at a school with a, an awesome project adventure course and some Springfield people. And you're, you realize really quickly why you ended up there yep. um, and how, how, it, how awesome it is to have that community even that much later. Oh, it's crazy. You go anywhere and you run into people from Springfield, uh, uh, in particular with that, the phys ed experience or even the adventure education experience. Um, 
Springfield did a tremendous job and, and it, I didn't realize it in the moment, but you mentioned how like line dancing was out of your element. Uh, I took square dancing completely out of my element. And then yeah. even worse, coach Doug Parker, who legendary status on that campus from, uh, from the wrestling side of things. Yep. I think I was the only PE major in the class and he's like, you have a loud voice. You're going to call, you're going to call a song, which is essentially singing this song. And he handed me a cassette tape. And he said, next class, you're going you're gonna to call the Bloody Red Bear. And I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, I took this <laughs> class because I thought it was going to be easy. But um, it was a blast. And they did a tremendous job looking back on getting us out of our element, challenging us to do things that weren't, in our eyes, normal routine. And I, I'm comfortable saying I'm a better person today because of it. I'm sure you would say the same. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, as far as stepping out of your comfort zone um you know there's things you just don't have a choice about but you just have to kind of eat that you're not going to be any good at it and do it yep. anyways that's right um, that's right and, and i mean that's part of like life now as an adult there's things that you're not any good at but you're going to be expected to do them and you need to do the best you can and it's just kind of it is what it is right it's like it's like archery it's my archery my <laughs> real life archery in my <laughs> professional career yep i agree i agree wholeheartedly um and for those of you that think this was another thing about Springfield College, I went there with this impression of I'll graduate, I'll go back to teach high school phys ed as the main job, but I'll, I'll coach as my passionate job. Um, we, very quickly as a freshman, you learn that that's not that that wasn't how it was going to go for four years. And if you think being a physical education major is easy, it's not. And and the hardest thing for me was. You mentioned time management earlier on. There was, you know, 7.30 a.m. swimming class. So you're, you're going through that routine. And then it was a lecture at nine. And then it was wrestling class. And then it was, if you showered, you were lucky. Then it was sitting, sitting in like sociology after that. It was, it was a jam-packed schedule, um, but it was a ton of fun. The skill classes to me were the best. <laughs> I think the skills classes were a nice balance for the large volume of science that we also had to take. Um, I think people don't realize they think you're going to school to be a PE teacher and you're just going to kind of play around. Um, and then when you tell people like, no, I, I have a bachelor's in science and, yep. and these are all the associated classes and labs that came along with it. I think people are surprised on what the actual pathway to a PE teacher is. Yep. Um, thought it was a perfect balance of, of play and work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously we're in the middle of the, the COVID-19 situation. Um, how are you holding up and how, how is the Longabuco family holding up? Um, and we'll start, yeah, we'll start there. Um, we'll start with my family. I think they're a little easier than how I'm holding up. Uh, <laughs> everybody is good. Um, my dad actually was just golfing earlier today. He's very happy that golf courses are now open. Yeah. Uh, my mom as a retired principal is doing some consulting stuff so she can do all of that from home. Um, they're kind of, you know, trying to just minimize the people that they see, which I think is appropriate for their age group, obviously. Um, my brother who lives in a group home is happy that he's not going to work, not fully understanding what's going on. Um, but thinks it's cool that he gets to kind of hang in his sweats and watch his iPad and do his virtual reality games every day. So I guess, you know, what you don't know can't hurt you. You know, yep. that's kind of how Daniel's living. Um, he FaceTimes a lot, which is fun. Uh, we actually can't see him. We can't, nobody can go to the group home. So there's yep. no, uh, no interaction besides FaceTime, which is obviously for everybody's um, benefit. Yep. 
as for me, um, it's interesting. I don't think I've had the impact that a lot of other people have because I, I'm going to school every day. Yep. Um, Monday through Friday, I'm still at Newtown High School in the main office trying to make sure that we can uphold the structure of a distance learning plan that is very complex for a lot of people. And um, the reality of that is, yeah, I'm going to work and there's really not many people there. So it's not, it's not a threat of any kind, but it keeps kind of a routine and a schedule and it doesn't make the afternoons and evenings where you have to be home um, really all that bad. Um, yep. I think the, the biggest change is that there's no night events. There's no, there's no sports. There's no board meetings. There's no awards dinners. There's, there's nothing after school. And so um, while our days look really different and they're still very full, it's just a, it's a totally different position than I was doing four weeks ago. It's a, yep. it's a totally different job. How would you assess that the Newtown High School community, so the teachers, the coaches, the, the other administrators, the students, their families, how would you assess that they are all holding up? So I think that, um, you know, everybody's as good as they can be. People react in, in different ways and people respond to worldwide things like this in different ways. Um, Newtown as a community is very resilient. Um, this, the, the students are resilient, the teachers are resilient, and they all are really, really passionate about um, living and working in Newtown and doing what's best for that. So I'm very lucky uh, that the transition, I think, has been easier for us than most. We're also a fortunate community that has um, access to a lot of technology that you need to make this work yep. um, that some people just don't have. You can put the best plan in place, and if you don't have computers behind the, that plan, it really doesn't matter about your plan. And so um, people are good. You know, everybody... Everybody um, is a little nervous and a little heightened because I don't think anybody has the answers that you want. Um, and of course, our students are, I think, you know, they're, they're sad to not be at school, which I think yeah. might be a blessing in disguise. They may come back in August and think that Newtown High School is the greatest place ever. <laughs> um, and, and that's actually um, as sad as it is that kids are missing school. I think it's an underlying message that they're realizing that this isn't that bad. And I actually do like to see my teachers and my peers and the structure and the community um, and the support that this provides is something that they're really missing. Um, and a lot of kids are dealing with the, the isolation piece is hard. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had to shift, we had to shift our thinking a little bit from full throttle academics to really kind of caring about the social emotional well-being of our kids while they're potentially home um, with the same between two and five people all day every day trying to figure out how to also go to school. And you brought up an interesting point, and I was going to ask you that question as far as the expectation that teachers, administrators have when, you're, when you have the students in the building versus you don't, and you realize, you, you feel, oh, we have this great plan, and we're going to be able to get through this content in a given class session, and then you realize that they're, they're young and this is a huge, yeah. huge change. And maybe we have to dial those expectations back and have more of a take care of each other mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, we, like everybody started off really strong with these are the academics that we're going to put in place. Here's how it's going to be graded. Here's what it, and then the teachers um, to all of their credit did all of that for the first probably three to five days. Um, and we realized really quickly that that was not sustainable. It was not sustainable for kids. It was not sustainable for teachers. It definitely wasn't sustainable for administrators. 
Um, and so week two at Newtown High School was, uh, was pump the brakes week. We, yep. we, we really kind of, we put our foot down and we said, let's pull way back here. We may need to do this for a long time. And if we need to do this for a long time, we need every single person. We, we are a team. And in order for our team to work, we need all of us. We need, we need teachers. We need school psychologists. We need school counselors. We need nurses. We need principals. We, you know, <laughs> we need everybody to make this operation happen. And um, we quickly realized, like a lot of communities did, that we needed to slow down. Yep. We needed to slow down. We needed to be mindful. We needed to realize that uh, work that we were assigning was taking double and triple the amount of time that it would when we had the students in front of us in our classroom. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's hard to model the exact schedule that you do during a day. There's, you know, there's no bells at home that move kids <laughs> from one place to another, thankfully. Um, but it's, you know, you're, you're not, you're not waking kids up. Some kids wake up at noon and start their school day. And, you know, one of the hardest things for us was we're, we're not going to be on around the clock just because we became virtual doesn't mean that we're working 24 hours a day. And I think for probably the first week or week and a half, we were, yeah. and, and because people were doing the right thing by kids, um, but emails were coming through at all hours. And, and everybody was trying to keep up. And so we've worked hard the last week and a half to really set some schedules and set some parameters and figure out a real sustainable plan of how to make this work in the event that we're out for, you know, potentially the rest of the year. Yep. In Newtown, has it been all, uh, my wife, Kelly, who's a doctor as well, taught me a couple words, asynchronous, not at the same time, or has it been a mix of synchronous and asynchronous? So um, we started off totally asynchronous, which basically just meant um, the kids had their classrooms on Google Classroom and they could log in and see their teachers' videos and posts and, and instruction at any time. Um, we have since kept that model, um, but moved to live office hours, kind of a college model of office hours. So now our teachers set the times that they're available if a student does need to see them um, face to face. I think, you know, originally when we all planned this, we were hoping it was a two to three week stint. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't necessarily have to do live teaching per se, but the, you know, the cards have shifted and kids need to be in contact with their teacher and they need to know how to go through the physics problem and they need to know which steps they did wrong. And, and it's, it's hard to do that without live interaction. So we've since moved to that, but we have not, um, we didn't start on our like bell schedule and, and I don't think we'll ever get there. We have families that have kids at home that are trying to, you know, educate their own elementary school kids and keep up with their high school course load. We have, we have parents who are still working. We have students who are caring for younger siblings. We have people who have illness in their house and families. So I, I think it's just, um, it's that whole being mindful piece of what everybody has going on in their house and that the same plan doesn't work for 2000 people. It just, it, it can't. So you need to allow some type of flexibility. Um, and for some that's waking up at two o'clock in the afternoon and doing their work from two to 10 to get their eight hours in. And I guess that too is a lesson in time management. <laughs> yes, absolutely is. Absolutely is. So some boundaries being set. And then, uh, I, I think a, a great leadership tool is to, you know, having a plan and then recognizing and reevaluating what's working, what's not working and having the, the wherewithal to make those adjustments and get people on board. And it's probably going to evolve more. And um, as long as you have the team on board, it, it, it'll, everybody will be in a spot where they'll be able to make the best out of the situation, which is all you can ask for in this tough that time. That is it. 
So you have your hands full with principaling. What are some of your interests outside of that? And I know there's not a lot of downtime as a principal of a school, but uh, you mentioned golf earlier. What else do you find yourself getting into when you have a little bit of time for Kim? So as crazy as it sounds, I still coach the varsity gymnastics team um, at my original high school. Um, so that takes up a tremendous amount of my time in the winter months. Yep. Um, the season was obviously cut a little short this year and we did get through States and opens, but, um, we're cut off before new England. So we, okay. we made a good majority of our season. Um, that's something I love to do. It's, it's actually really nice that I do it at a school that I don't work at and I'm not involved in. Um, Newtown does have a gymnastics team and they're fantastic and the girls are lovely, but it's a different relationship that you have with the kids that you coach than the ones that you do. Uh, when you're responsible for their whole school, I guess. Yep. Um, so that takes up a good amount of my time. I coach um, year round at the club just to kind of keep people going and in shape. And, you know, I re- it's it's my connection back to gymnastics, which I think is a really happy place for me. And sometimes when work is really stressful or the job is really stressful, it's nice to be able to go um, and have a totally separate group of people that yep. just love you and everything that you're doing. Um, and so that has been really helpful. I do like to golf, um, and if it would get a little warmer, it'd be nice to do that. Uh, kind of took that up with my dad, um, so that's something fun that we kind of do together. Other than that, I run, work out, try to maintain some type of sanity for at least 45 minutes a day when I can. Yeah, I think that's kind of, that's, that's kind of it for the hobbies, I guess, for now. That's a full, it's a full plate. <laughs> Is there a difference? And if yes, what, what are the differences between principal Kim and coach Kim? <laughs> um, there's, there are some differences. There's some differences. I, I think there's probably some similarities too. Although the girls at gymnastics always say, I cannot imagine you being my principal. And I'm so thankful I don't go to Newtown High School. Like, oh, that's, that's really nice. I think that the similarities are you know, structure and order and leadership, um, those things have to happen in both venues. Um, I can be a little sillier at gymnastics. We can joke about things. I've also known the kids that I've coached since they were six, seven years old, and now they're 16 or 17 years old. So the relationship that I have with them um, is very close and, and very meaningful. And so I think that is fun. It's also really it's different to see kids progress the four years through high school. It's expected that you graduate high school, right? Um, It's not expected that you finish a gymnastics career. It's it's actually almost unlikely that you do that. And so when you get, when you get kids who are kind of sold into doing that and considering going to college to compete or, or at least finishing off their high school career, it's very meaningful as a coach to kind of be part of that. And I think um, you see your meeting when, when you have a smaller group of people. I mean, yep. I, I have 1,600 kids at school. They're all awesome. And at graduation, don't get me wrong, I'm the, I'm the proudest person there outside of their mothers. Um, <laughs> but I think with the gymnastics girls, it's a different, it's a different level of um, passion that you share with those people about something that you love. Um, and it's, it's hard now not seeing them. I haven't gone probably more than four days in some of these kids' last 10 plus years of their lives without seeing them. So that's hard. It's it's hard. It's hard. But I think that I really can kind of be who I am at gymnastics. And there's some people that I can be who I am around at school too, but school is school's work and school things need to be done at school. And so sometimes a side of you that you wouldn't necessarily show some people has to happen and come out. And I, you know, it's a balance of all of that happening in both venues. 
describe your style of leadership. Who's, who's Kim as a leader and what, what's a strength and what's a weakness? Yeah. You know, so that's definitely evolved. It's still evolving actually. Um, I would love to sit here and say like, yeah, I use distributive leadership and I give people all these tasks. And at the end of the day, that's a lie. I take on all the tasks on my own and I shouldn't be doing it. I have very capable, qualified people helping me. Um, and I'm a little bit of a control freak and I, and I take on all of that on my own to the point that my secretary is often like, you're not doing that. That's not for you. I'm saying no to those things. Um, so that's, you know, you have to learn, you have to learn those things and you have to learn to kind of let go of the reins and trust the people that are around you um, because it's likely that you brought them along with you for a good reason and, and they're definitely qualified people, which is exactly who I work with. I think that I'd like to say that I, I model what I expect. I think, I think that's in the school venue and also in the gymnastics venue. I think everybody at Newtown and I know all of my gymnasts know that I'm, I'm committed and I'm in it 110% and um, that gets other people to be in it 110% with you when you show that that's kind of your thing and, and there's no place else I'd rather be with no other people I'd rather be then that's, you know, that's why people want to do things for you and with you but I don't think anybody's a perfect leader. I don't think that there's any qualities that you have to have. Um, I think there are qualities that certainly make it easier or harder on yourself, depending on which way you look at it. But I think you also need to be like, oh, I didn't do that one right. And I, you need to own it. And you need to stand in front of your entire faculty and be like, my bad, I didn't do that one right. You know, because people, people respect that. People respect honesty. Um, people respect trust. People respect openness. And I think if you give them that, you're much more likely um, to get acceptance when you screw up. And we all do that. We all are, that happens to all of us. And the worst type of leader is the one that points fingers at everybody else except for back at themselves. So that, that uh, the ability to self-assess and step up to the plate and say, yep, I fell short this time. And yeah. this, this is what we're going to try next time to be a little bit better. Right, right. Absolutely. Not focusing on any, on any specific instance or, or, a specific situation, but what are some of the challenges that you face um, on a day-to-day -day basis as a principal of a school building? Well, challenges are different now than they were before, I guess. Um, Pre-COVID, we'll go pre-COVID. The, the, the pre-COVID <laughs> challenges are really just moving your organization, right? You need to kind of, you need to have an idea and a direction where you're going, but you also need to be mindful of how quickly or how slowly you need to get there. And I think that um, that's something that I learned along the way. Like, even if I know that the next plan is the best plan, we can't just drop it and be there in 48 hours. We may, we may need to take six months to get there, but the end goal is going to be really good. And I think, um, you know, as the principal of the building, you're orchestrating a massive show, right? I mean, you have to know exactly what's going on in all these different venues. And you're really an expert in none of them, but you need to, you need to know what's going on in special ed. You need to know what your students think. You need to know what your parents think. You need to know the other nine departments and counseling and support. And you, you have to dabble in all of them and you have to really show all of those people that you care about their piece of the puzzle because for them, their piece is the most important piece. Yep. And once you can do that, I think you get some pretty good buy-in and then you can move everybody together as a big, a big piece. Um, so I think, that's a lot of the, that's a lot of the logistical time that I spend behind the scenes. Um, I'm not really like an out there showy principal. I kind of, 
I hang out behind when, you know, when teachers are presenting curriculum, I go and support them, but I don't need to sit next to them and <laughs> present it with them, even if we worked on it hand in hand. I mean, I tell my AD all the time, like, you know, he'll be like, I'll make sure the coaches know that you did that. I'm like, don't tell them that. You take it. You deserve that victory. Everybody needs one, you know, kind of go. We, we all need to have our peace. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm the support behind a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that's, I guess, the general answer of principal life. Um, now is very different. Now, um, now is massively supportive. A lot of my day is telling people that it's, it's going to be all right. And if you, if you didn't get something in and your computer broke, it's going to be all right. And if, if you handed something in late and we need to talk to your teacher together, let's learn how to do that. And let's yep. reach out to your teacher together. Or you don't know how to get in contact with someone. Well, let's work on that. Or, you know, hearing back from people, hey, this platform isn't, it's not going to work for us. We need yep. some type of whiteboard. So, you know, we'll go, we look, and we try to find and accommodate for what we can do. And, you know, sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no, but we spend a large majority of our time now figuring out how to actively communicate with people. Yep. You've got yeah, to communicate with, when you don't have them in front of you, it is so important that you talk to them every single day. Um, and so I try to, we have a staff Google Classroom that we post in every day, even if it's just something like, hey, happy sunny Monday, you know, we're all here. I record the morning announcements live every morning from a different place in our school. We post them on our Twitter and our Facebook so that kids um, have some sense of normalcy and routine and kind of know what's going on. So that's a nice way for us to talk to kids. What's the, uh, I, I've seen some of your morning videos on Twitter. What's where, where, do, where do people find those? So um, if you go to the Newtown High School website, um, you can certainly find them off of there or you can follow us at uh, Newtown High School on Facebook or at NHS Tweets on Twitter. Um, and uh, we, we post all of our, our good stuff. I think more, more so now it's announcements type things, but during the year, um, lots of highlights of yep. band and theater and sports and clubs and volunteerism and, um, you know, wonderful things that are kind of going on in the school. And it gives you a good idea of all the moving pieces that happen in a big high school all at the same time. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So if you're looking for that snapshot of the inner workings of Newtown high school, that's a great way to stay in touch and stay connected. Um, it's amazing right now to see adults who maybe weren't very active on you know, social media or on these different digital virtual platforms, it's a learning experience for, I'll lump us into it. It's a learning experience for all of us as well. And, you know, a positive to take from this tough situation is I think the skills of, of everybody are becoming you know, more well-rounded and, and not just standing in front of a classroom and, and teaching in that traditional format, but, uh, you know, some other tactics to get content across because every student learns a little bit differently. So it's important. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think um, everybody kind of caught on to this at a different speed. And I think uh, usually things are more challenging at the high school level. This is much easier at a high school than it is at an elementary school. Most of our teachers were already using Google Classroom. It was not hard for us to give one quick directive, hey, we're all going on this, create them. You know, um, We sort of caught wind of this a couple days before it actually happened and schools closed. So we used some time to plan for that, which was helpful. Yep. 
Um, but we do, you're absolutely right. We have to be mindful of people starting this in different places. Yep. Um, some teachers are very tech savvy and others are not. And others are in the last couple years of their career and, and they did not ask for this or plan <laughs> for this. And, um, you know, we, we have to be mindful of, of, of that too and move them along at, at a pace that's reasonable. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not going to. But I do think that everybody will come back out of this with some skills that probably benefit everybody anyways, but happened through this by accident. Yep. That's right. That's right. You've been in education for a long time and in coaching for a long time. Uh, same here in a, a different environment, but, you know, working with in different school or sport settings. Um, so often the focus is on, you know, maybe the, the children or the athletes that are struggling and we often lose sight on like the 10 percenters, like the, the athlete or the student who's just you look at them now as a you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old and be like, wow, this one is going to go on and do something unbelievable with their lives. What, what's an example from your experience, Kim, of just you know, that athlete or that student that you've had interactions with who you know that whatever they go on to do, they're just going to be unbelievable at it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's nice – as the principal, you get to see the full scope of students, right? So I, you know, I spend a lot of time with students who are struggling and maybe are in danger of not graduating. We certainly spend a lot of time with them, but um, I do get to spend a lot of time with my top 5%, which is awesome. Um, and, and they're both awesome for very different reasons. Those kids, I mean, high school kids are so, they're so smart and they are so well-versed and they are so forward thinking to what they want to do with their lives and how they're going to get there and what they're already involved in to get them there that, um, you know, they're just simply amazing. And what they want to go on and study in college is like mine, it's mind blowing. Um, <laughs> and those are the kids that you look at and you can honestly say to them, you're going to change the world. You're going to leave Newtown High School. You're going to go to UPenn and you're going to change the world. And they do. And they do. Yep. And, and sometimes you're lucky enough that they check back in with you and they tell you kind of what they're doing and you can be a little peace along the way. Um, I think it's different with, that, with athletics. I think you see that glimmer earlier in athletics. Um, you kind of know who your studs are from the beginning and, you know, you can kind of, you can certainly bring people along. And I've had plenty of girls that I've seen take a huge leap in you know from one year to the next and you're like well how did that happen but um there's the ones from the beginning that you think are going to be kind of your shining stars and they're going off to college to do something um and and they still have to work it's not you know it's not natural talent that just occurs and rides through with you and i think that's the same with education like our top five percent works yeah. They, they, they work really hard they take really challenging classes they involve themselves and um you know it's Getting into high-ranking Ivy schools or, or just below Ivy schools is really, really hard. It's really hard. Um, and I think, you know, as much as people say this age group is behind their phones and they don't know how to socialize, uh, you know, I beg to differ. I can have some really awesome conversations face-to-face -face with these kids in my school every day. And they're going to be just fine. Yep. They, are, they are so well-versed. They are t so tech-savvy. Um, they're, they're going to be great. They're going to be great. And I don't, I don't worry about our future when it's in their hands at all. And you touched on a great point that I think people forget about either in athletics or in academics, you know, so often it's, you, you rest on the rest on your laurels and uh, I'm, I'm a better athlete than everybody. I can kind of do enough. Um, 
I was just, I was born, you know, with a great eye for math. I can just do enough. The separator between good and exceptional, the five, 10 percenters is it's, it's not necessarily all academic or all athletic. It's that commitment to it and that work ethic to it to take you know where they were and every day just taking on those challenges to get a little bit better every day and that's a that's a huge point for anybody listening from an athletic standpoint or an academic standpoint is you know the god-given gifts only take you so far and it's what you do with them that that'll take you the rest of the way so yeah absolutely what is a situation, you could choose one uh, situation, a person or an experience that has really had a, a big impact on who you are as a leader, who you are as a principal today. Um, geez. Well, I think I've had a lot of those people luckily along the way. I do have to say though, my mom as a retired principal, that probably shaped where I am and who I am today a lot more than I ever thought it really was. Um, I never really kind of addressed that growing up. And to be honest, we don't really talk about school. We don't talk about education. We don't talk about our philosophies. We don't talk about how we, how she used to run a school and I run a school now. We just, um, we don't. But I think inherently through conversation that sort of um, gave me a lot of leadership skills along the way that I didn't really ever know that I needed. And I can think back to childhood and be like, oh, she's going back to another meeting tonight. And now I'm like, wow, here I am going back to another meeting tonight. This is the exact same thing. So I think that was definitely helpful. I also think that the philosophy at Springfield College is so impactful on my life and really realizing that it is a balance and you really do need spirit, mind, and body to get yourself through these times, not only when they're tough, but when, when something challenging is in front of you, like you can't be you can't be off balance. And that's why there's a triangle. You have to be balanced or you're going to fall over. And, and I've found myself very off balance at a variety of different times throughout <laughs> this. And, you know, you have to figure out, you have to be able to stop and look and figure out how to balance out um, and make that happen. So I don't think it was a, I don't know that it was a specific person necessarily at Springfield, but more so that everybody there embodied the same philosophy that came through to all your classes, all your teams, all your clubs, all your experiences. Um, and it's something that you can really use for the rest of your life. Yeah, it was, it was a, one of those non-negotiable, this is the way we do it. Yeah. And you're either on board or you're not. And right. it, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it's something that's part of you know, my daily routine as well. And you recognize when things are getting off kilter and you figure out how can you balance it back out. What's been the biggest growth in you as a leader since, you know, the 23 when you first or 23 24 when you first got into teaching as a career path and, and where you are now Kim huh good question I don't know um I don't know that I was doing a whole lot of leading at 23 I think I was doing survival PE teaching um <laughs> and it was it was day to day and I was putting in my time and doing my planning but I don't know that I was really leading um, I don't think that it was until I became a dean that I really realized that I had some leadership skills to kind of really look at. And I was, uh, when I became a dean, I was with two other very veteran deans who had been doing it for a really long time. And all of a sudden they would turn to me and ask me things. And I'm like, oh, I wonder why this is happening. You've been doing this for a lot longer than I have. Um, and I think that's when I started to realize that I, I do, I have some skills in leadership and, and certainly they need to be um, cleaned up and fine-tuned, but I think I had some underlying ones that helped me out along the way. And then through each job, you gain a little bit more. Some of it's in confidence because then you can make those decisions and, and you can really be mindful. And other ones are learning from 
mistakes that you've made so that you don't do it again. And I think um, you have to be a reflective leader. You always have to look back at what you could have done differently because if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, you're going to get the same thing. Definition of insanity. (laughs) Yeah, it's what it is. And that's that is real. I mean, if people are telling you this isn't working and you're like, yeah, we're just going to forge on and keep doing it, even though it's not working. Well, it's not working for a reason. And so um, I think that that kind of, that's an area where I still work on because I like, um, I like things to be done well. I like things to go well. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I like people to um, be happy with me and think that I'm doing a good job. And so you know, when you get one of those zinger emails from a staff member, you're like, oh, wow, that one hurt, like down to my soul. I'm really trying and you don't think so. And this, you know, we need to figure out why you don't think so, because I really think I am. Um, so, you know, it's balance. It's yep. more balance and compromise. And it's when, when you stop caring that much to a point where you, you don't want to get a little bit better and you don't have a high standard, it's probably time to stop doing it. Move on. Yeah. Who, who's a, so your mom obviously had an impact on you that you realize more now, maybe didn't recognize as much when you were younger. Who's somebody that you look to now that's a, a leadership inspiration? So I was very fortunate to be the Dean of Students um, with an awesome housemaster. He, um, that's the way the schools worked in Fairfield. They kind of were broken down into three separate houses and each one had a housemaster, which was sort of like a, a mini principal. Um, and, uh, his name was John and he definitely shaped me into probably 90% of the leader that I am now. Um, he took a huge risk on me by taking me on as his Dean of Students from a PE teacher, um, a young female PE teacher after kind of an older old school kind of Dean that he was working with before. He's also brilliantly smart taught me tons about how to communicate with people um, and scheduling and grading and all these really important things that I don't think I would have learned um, if I didn't work that closely with him. And he, uh, he has since retired and is on to do some awesome consulting things, um, but we're in touch a lot and very meaningful that um, he has kind of seen me through this whole evolution of ending up as a principal um, at Newtown. So that has, he's super important, um, very, very important to me and someone who I still consider really close colleague and a very good friend um, who got me kind of to this place. That's great. That's wonderful. A book, movie, or television show, video, uh, TED Talk, something that you recently witnessed that has had an impact on you, positive or negative, and you can't say Tiger King. (laughs) <laughs> I did watch that though. I did watch Tiger King. Admittedly, I watched it. Um, I have a couple of episodes left. <laughs> I gotta be able to talk to the kids. I need to. I need. You know, it's important to be on their level a little bit. That's what I use as an excuse for that. The old research excuse. Well that's done. It. Well, see, that's, that's a savvy it. principle right there. <laughs> that's it. Um, you know, I don't remember the guy's name, but I used a TED Talk with my staff at a faculty meeting um, that really has kind of ended up being like a little bit of a motto for our school. And it was, it is this guy, and uh, I don't remember his name, I don't know why, but um, he tells this story about how he worked at a college campus and he um, was at an open house type event or whatever, and he saw this girl. And she was very clearly distraught and upset and, you know, waiting in line and panicking. And he was walking around with a basket of lollipops. 
and he walked up to her and he gave her a lollipop and she was in the determining factor of if she should not stay at college or stay and try it out. And um, he was that moment for her and he never knew it. And then he ended up leaving the school, never knew this girl. He never came in contact with her again. And right before he left the school, she came up to him and she was like, I, you know, you need to know that you are the reason why I stayed at this school. You're the reason why I was here four years later. Um, and you didn't even know it. And he, in his TED talk kind of says, I have racked my brain for that because I should remember that moment and I cannot remember that moment for the life of me, but it was life changing for that girl. And so we talk about as a staff lollipop moments all the time um, and we recognize them when we have them and, and I have challenged my staff to think about their lollipop moments and, and, and not to forget that a student might be having that moment and you don't even know it. And they may remember for the rest of their life that you said hi to them in the hallway on a day where they were super upset and in a really dark place and you smiled when you're walking down the hallway. And so that has been a really powerful thing, I think, for me personally to kind of remember like, you know, you're, you're the principal, but like you need to know the kids' names and you need to walk by them and you need to say, oh, hey, Dan, how are you? Good morning. So that they know that you know who they are. Um, and it's not this kind of impersonal relationship. I mean, I, I remember sitting in my interview, I think it was for the assistant principal position saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to ever be that principal that people are like, well, who's your principal at Newtown High School? And a student would be like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, because I, I think that was kind of me in high school. Um, and I don't think it was because of poor leadership. I think part of it was on me and I just didn't really know or care, but I told myself that I'm not, not going to be that person. So if that means I'm at your soccer game or I'm at your play or I'm at your band concert or your parade or your dinner, you're, you're going to know that I'm the principal of the school, whether you like it or not. And, <laughs> and, and that's going to be how we kind of work together as a group. That's right. And uh, I've seen the lollipop Ted talk. Um, I don't remember the gentleman's name either, but you can find it on Google. Yeah. Um, the old Google machine, just search lollipop Ted talk and it'll, it'll come up. And it's a great lesson about, I think, building a culture around relationship and support and recognizing that so often things that we feel are insignificant and minuscule to us can be life-changing to the, per the, the person that we have that interactive with for, for good and for bad. And definitely check that video out. It's worth the watch. It's very, very short, very engaging. Yeah, it's and it's 10 minutes, great, but it's worth it. Great message. Great lesson for sure. We don't know when this is going to be, but at some point we're going to be able to get back to the normal routine and we're going to be able to get to go outside and see people. Kim's first post-COVID activity is going to be what? Like, what are you going to do when it's all over? And we get like the, the chains come off and we're, we're able to yeah. kind of get back to normal. I, you know, I'm not really like an emotional person and you know that we've been friends for a very long time. I don't really like... <laughs> hug or cry or like do any of that things probably to a fault um, <laughs> i cannot wait to see some people and give them a big hug i mean yeah. i i can't wait to see some of the people at school um, my family i can't wait to see my brother and my parents i think you don't realize that you miss that when you take it for granted we're a big italian family and we hug and kiss all the time and we take it for granted and now i'm like oh my gosh this has been three weeks and i haven't seen any of my cousins or my aunts and uncles and you know, I, I can't, I can't wait for that. I also really, I can't wait for the lobby at Newtown High School to be packed with kids. Yep. It is, it is a sad, sad place when I walk in there every morning. It is as clean as it's ever been. Um, 
but it's a sad place. And, and for as much as I don't like stepping over their legs in the morning when they're sitting on the ground waiting for the first bell, I would take it back 10 times over in a heartbeat. Uh, great answer. And much like you, we're, we're very you know, close to our family here in Middletown and you don't realize it. And it's, it's, it's starting to wear on everybody. It's starting to wear, you, we could, you could hear it in mom and dad's voice when you talk to them on the phone and oh, it's going to be, it's going to be great to, to get to that point where you, you know, Zoom is fun and we've, you know, done some family Zoom calls, but that's, it's so, it's, yeah. it's so below what the, what the face-to-face and, and live interaction is and yeah, totally. um, great answer. Backyard barbecue, like every, oh. just dreaming of something like that being able to happen again. Agree a hundred percent. We don't know how the end of this, this year is going to shake out outside of that right now. Um, until at least April 20th, right, is where the state's at. School's going to be the way it is right now, distant. Kind of putting this year aside, what's a, what's a goal for, for you and for Newtown High School come the 2020-2021 school year? It seems like that's a very long way away, and there's a lot of hurdles before we get there. But we are in the process of implementing a really awesome project uh, called the Capstone Project, which is now um, part of the Mastery Base One credit for graduation requirements for the state of Connecticut. And um, we're super proud of it, and the kids are crushing it. They are doing things they are passionate about. We are using it as a two-year project. Um, Well, I guess two and a half towards the end of their sophomore year, they start to sort of take some inventories and formulate ideas. Um, And then their whole junior year, they're working on proposals, initial proposals and final proposals. And then their senior year, they're coming up with these awesome projects. um, And kids are, we've we've only had two pilot classes, um, but our current juniors, 400 current juniors that have submitted proposals to be reviewed. Um, And so I'm super excited next year to see 400 really awesome capstone projects that will probably be one of the most meaningful things kids will do in high school. Um, so that's huge. That's huge. You know, the logistics behind it are crazy, um, because people are doing anything from putting on a dance show to recreating, you know, rebuilding an engine of a Jeep or, and everything in between. So it's a little bit of a logistical kind of nightmare, but it's awesome. It, It is what kids are passionate about. Um, and we're hoping that they learn from that and, either they decide to pursue something in that field or maybe they decide not to and for yep. really good reason at a good time. So I, that's definitely something that we're looking forward to at Newtown High. And it sounds like it'll be absolutely worth the logistical challenges to see those young adults just crush it outside of the normal day classroom routine and everything. So that's awesome. That's, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, hearing about how those go. Absolutely. So our final final question right here, and again, Kim Longabuco, the principal of Newtown High School, uh, Springfield College alum. Uh, really, thank you for hopping on with us today, Kim. Any, you've had some great experiences, and, and you've had uh, a little bit of the coaching and the educational, and you've had some some setbacks and some, some moments of triumph. Any thoughts, wisdom, or advice for? people who are interested in getting into coaching, teaching, and potentially even in the administration side of, of education? Sure. Um, I think you have, to, you have to be a lifelong learner and you have to be okay with 
not knowing everything and wanting someone to teach you something. Um, and I think you can do that in any avenue. You can do it in athletics. Find a master coach and work behind them and learn how to spot like they spot and figure out what they do that works. Um, you know, find a really good administrator and spend time with them and, and find a really great teacher and, and follow them and, and mimic what they do and, and just learn even when you're not in the classroom. And if you can be a lifelong learner, you can do anything. You can get any job you wanna do as long as you will be, you can be reflective, you can learn from other people um, and you can take and kind of implement that into where you wanna go. And I think if you do that, the path is open. Um, and you can get anywhere that you want, even if there are some roadblocks in between, um, you kind of keep your eyes on what you want to do and, you know, eventually you, you get there. And I, in, with the road, when the roadblocks do come and they, they will happen to all of us, the lifelong learner mentality will allow us to not let that be something that stops us completely, but says, hey, this is why I fell short and maybe it was in my control completely. Maybe there were some other factors, but this is what I can do differently next time to, to give myself a better chance next time. About perseverance, right? That's right. That's right. A little grit, mental toughness right there. That's what Kim mentioned. She's not emotional, not, not a big crier or hugger. She's definitely got that lunch pail, grit, tough attitude right there for sure. So in the Kim, best way. In the best way, of course, in a kind, nurturing, supportive way. But <laughs> Kim, thank you so much. I know you're busy and I know this has been a, a, a challenging time for, for you and your community and, and really everybody. So I, I truly do appreciate you taking some time out of your day and giving all of us some insight as to your journey and and, and how you lead and who you lead and uh, just really appreciate it. And I, I keep my fingers crossed for, uh, for you and all the people out in Newtown. It's a great place. Um, you know, sending our best, uh, that, you know, that everybody's healthy and safe and, and until that moment when we get the green light to get back to normal. So thank you, Kim. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thank you so much to our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in and always remember, Great leadership looks, sounds, and feels different. However, there is a common thread that connects all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead, and they spend most of their time in their stretch zone. Not settling for that which is comfortable, because nothing exceptional was ever accomplished from comfort. Mm-hmm.